with Sean K. I am your host, Sean Neese. And on this show, I talk to a wide range of people. Artists, activists, bloggers, comedians, and other people who are pursuing their creative passions and living outside the box, providing a platform for opinions and perspectives not often heard in the mainstream media. And I have long-form conversations with them and talk to them about their craft and also get them to talk about their views on today's climate and for this episode, I'm going to play you a conversation I had with my good friend Jason Gravely, who lives in Greenville, South Carolina, and they have been on my show five times. This is their fifth appearance on my show. We've been in touch since I was like around 1920, like in my early 20s, when I was doing a band Nemesis Complex, because we kept in contact with a lot of bands all over the country and all over the world that were doing music similar to ours because it was sort of an old school style grindcore band which is similar to early napalm death and it wasn't the most popular style but it had a strong it still has a strong underground following they at the time jason was doing this project hideous which at the time was sort of like a death metal grindcore band and they really liked the nemesis complex stuff so we kept in touch with that And then once I fell out of doing that and got more into podcasting and acting and the things I'm doing now, we kept in touch. And they were actually one of my first guests on my podcast for episode three. And they talked about the music scene in Greenville, South Carolina, and how it's a little more liberal than some of the other parts of the South and how they were. Well, there was a lot of interesting things they got into. You could just look back on those episodes to see that. But in this episode, they talk about their new music project, Antitypical, as well as Ven Perp, which they've been doing a while and if they talked about before on the show. But Antitypical is kind of an industrial style band. And for a while before that, Van Perp um, was doing Hideous, eventually became a hip hop project. And then they did Van Perp, which did vip, uh, hip hop and also some rock and industrial and other things. But antitypical is mainly like kind of like a early like a nine inch nails or um, like a, a mix of other styles, industrial rock and other styles. And they also do a podcast related to it. And antitypical refers a bit to um, being on the spectrum because you know people on the autistic spectrum are called atypical people, and it's sort of owning that and saying we're antitypical. And that's because through the research, Jason believes that they are a bit on the autistic spectrum. I was actually diagnosed with having Asperger's syndrome when I was 13. I don't know how accurate that diagnosis was. But when I've done research on it, I've definitely seen that my the way my brain operates is consistent with someone on the autistic spectrum in some ways, though it's a very mild case. And we were also both diagnosed with ADHD and were part of the Ritalin generation and we go a bit to into that during the episode and also one more thing they've also are the com- jason is the composer of the bsing with sean k theme song the bsing with sean k they made that so if you like that definitely check out more of their music and more of their other projects anyway without further delay here's the conversation and i hope you enjoy it how you been 
What's uh? Oh yeah, I mean, I've been good. Um, just like staying busy. Like I got this, you know, this anti-typical project that I've been. Um, I'm I'm like mixing. I'm like mixing the EP, the the debut EP for that, and then I also just uh got promoted to like running a whole kitchen. So I'm like uh kind of mentally working on that at home and then just doing like, you know, we're we're doing holiday stuff and everything. Just, you know, staying busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like uh like every time you've been on here, you, you move up every time you've been on here. Like last time it was when you just got your new place. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause it's actually been a hot minute since I've been on here. Um, I feel like, I feel like I'm the, uh, the Alec Baldwin to your Saturday night live. Like I've been on here like multiple times and, yeah, and this is like the fourth time, like, uh, or something. I like feel that. honored. I, I truly do. Um, but yeah, um, just, yeah, I guess you're right. Just kind of just slowly moving my way up the ladder of life, as it were. <laughs> yeah, because you were here at the very beginning of my show. You were um, just the third episode. And I feel like in a lot of ways I've moved up kind of like with this show and other stuff. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, I've, I've noticed the growth on, on your end. And it's just like, it's it's been really cool to watch because like, like I, I don't know, I just I just I just dig that stuff because like I, I remember when you first started this show and then and then like you know you kind of shared accomplishments with me along the way and I'm just like all right, fucking glad to see this is going up and then and then now like it's been a few years and like you have like listeners all over the world and just like you you got like you're really doing the damn thing and I think it's awesome. Yeah, I definitely, and I feel like the shows go a lot more natural now. Like I started with like a list of questions and there were some funny questions I came up with. I remember like even the the first time I interviewed you, I think there was like, um, there was a couple of questions I asked. I think about conspiracy theories or the Illuminati or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'd always throw in like a random question in the list of questions to like add like a funny, unique thing to it but now it's just kind of off the cuff like I kind—I pretty much know about the person I'm going to talk to and then I just go into it more, more than just like a formal interview but. yeah and I think that I think that really uh helps for the whole uh the listener experience as it were um because yeah I mean I've listened to plenty of episodes and like um but yeah it it, it it's uh it it makes a more natural sounding kind of thing and it's more entertaining overall i would say yeah and, and we first uh when, when we first uh met through doing music but when i was doing a grindcore band nemesis complex and you were doing your old metal project hideous like uh that's uh and then and then we, we um you were doing another podcast at the time and then um yeah i guess I, then i kind of fell into doing the podcast thing and then that was like what, what I started with was kind of like people I knew and then it kind of went from there and then but well, well you've gone through a lot of uh different stages in your life since I've done the episode the podcast too so it's been kind of neat to show that like throughout the show too yeah that's true oh, <laughs> that's definitely true um yeah but that's 
that's one of the like you bringing that up makes me just think of like just getting older as a whole as like a concept and like it's just it's i'm starting to view things from that from that perspective and and just going like man like so-and-so thing has been happening for this amount of time and just being able able to relate it to the to like other things that have happened in life and just like uh like for example thinking about uh like i'm I'm on tiktok a lot and and it, it it is not lost on me that I've been making music for longer than a lot of those people have been alive. And it's just, it's very humbling and very cool to just um, still be here to watch time march on and just watch everyone grow and progress and just, um, you know, watch their creative projects blossom and, and, you know, all, 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 all that stuff that goes with it. I just, it's, it's it's really nice to watch. <laughs> oh, so you, so you have more of um like a positive view of it, I guess, than like a cynical. I know some people get cynical about like oh, getting older and like watching everything. Oh, like, yeah, I guess you're right because I I didn't really subscribe to that whole. Um... Okay, so getting old is a mental thing more than it is a physical thing because like i've known people who were old at 25 and and it's just you don't have you don't have to settle you don't have to be like oh well i'm i'm 28 now i guess i have to do this or whatever like you don't have to do that and and like yeah i I guess at, at my age i'm supposed to be bitter old bitter old person and just be super cynical but i i I guess i i i guess you just can't do the same thing forever so that applies to cynicism as well apparently because i just i mean i'm i wouldn't say that i am more positive as a whole because i mean i'm still the same person but it's just like i don't know i just I, i guess i recognize that um I recognize more what serves me and what doesn't than than I did say you know ten years or so ago, and and I, I guess I guess that's where a lot of the the mental change comes from. And I, and I mean, I, I mean on the surface it might appear that I'm more positive, but I I don't know if that's the case or not. I'm glad I'm I'm perceived that way for sure. <laughs> Yeah, like I feel like um, now, like this, this is kind of my best years, like late twenties till now, like even more so now, like knowing more who I am and just being more comfortable with myself. And I feel like I'm able to have more like different kinds of experiences now than I did when I was young, because um, I feel like I was kind of like a slow developer and slow learner in a lot of ways, and kind of like a late bloomer. And uh, I kind of want to relate that a bit to like. Because I know you do this show about being on like the spectrum and that kind of thing. I, I wanted to get in that oh. with you a bit too. Because um, I was like it, when I was 13, I was told like I had autism spectrum disorder, and I don't know if that's totally accurate, but I do think that that kind of affected the way I developed 
like in certain ways. Like maybe I, I felt like I developed a little slower than my peers. And that's why I feel like a little more caught up now, but at the same time, like a little more ahead in some ways too. So it's not like a totally bad thing too. Cause I know a lot of people my age, they're just like burned out. But um, before we get more into that, I wanted to know more, like maybe you should talk more about like what it is you're doing now. I know you're doing music still, still doing the Ven Perp music, but then you're also doing this new podcast that deals with like being on the spectrum and uh, things related to that. Yeah, um, so we have this project, Antitypical, and um, we wanted to introduce it to everyone through a limited uh, a, a limited run podcast and we may bring it back I mean uh, we, we probably will bring it back before the next EP but we wanted uh, to just uh, give people the opportunity to hear our story from us and like and just not have to worry about going around and Hey, will you interview us? Will you talk about our thing? And like, we just, you know, why, why not just create your own media? Because I mean, this is this is what this is what we do now as people. We are our own brands, our own uh, communication networks, whether whether we want to admit it or not. But um, yeah, and, and just uh, the the name and the concept is. Um, it's uh, not necessarily being against like so-called neurotypical people. It's just going like, hey, we're you, you want to paint us as different, then we're just going to, you know, paint, we're just going to grab that cape and, and put it on our shoulders. Like, you know, like, and, and just show people that like, you know, you might consider, you, you might consider certain people who think, and, and see the world differently than you as being different and outside and being complex and somehow a puzzle. But at the same time, we're viewing y'all that same way. Cause like, and, and like, and speaking of like the puzzle piece thing, like I, I hate autism speaks cause and like they have that little puzzle piece thing. And it's just like, I hate that so much. Um, because I'm not a puzzle. I'm not hard to figure out. I, I speak very plainly, and, and most people on the spectrum that I know, they'll tell you what is on their mind. And it's like, I think I think a I think going, I think painting everyone on a spectrum as one way and being a puzzle is disrespectful on multiple levels especially considering the fact that the puzzling people aren't people on the spectrum. It's the so-called neurotypical people who, who don't really say what they mean most of the time. They just kind of go off of feelings and emotions and maybe this is the way things are. And it's just like, no, you're the ones who are being puzzling. And it's like, but we don't have to be puzzled by each other if we just sit down and <gasps> shocking talk about it <laughs> i mean that that's that's the the brunt of all the problems like if we would just sit down and put our preconceived notions off to the side and really just sit down and listen to each other we would get a lot more progress than you know some kind of organization that's 
that's really just, let's be honest, trying to get money for free that they don't have to claim at the end of the year on their taxes. But, um, God, don't let me get on a soapbox on that whole thing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the whole anti-typical thing, it's basically like, um, I don't know if everybody's going to catch this reference, but I'm Magneto when it comes to the whole, like, um, spectrum thing. It's like, I'm Magneto. I'm, I'm sitting here going, like, no, this is not a disorder. There's not anything wrong with us. If anything, there's something wrong with the rest of y'all for not being able to understand us. And, <laughs> and that's and that's kind of where anti-typical came from. And also just uh, the fact that we're doing stuff that isn't typical. We're presenting ourselves in a way that that is kind of against, not necessarily like against the norm, but we're we're very much in our own lane and we're we're waving our freak flag high and just going like, yo, you know, y'all can say we're old. Y'all can say that it's a throwback. Y'all can say it's this. Y'all can say it's that. But we're still doing our thing and we're still going hard, if not harder than people half our age. So it's like we're, we're anti-typical. It's just everything about us is not typical. You're talking about like sorry for the ramble, but yeah. <laughs> and you mean like puzzling as far as like social interactions or things like that? Right. Right. Yeah. Like, because I mean everybody kind of views it a little bit differently, but from my perspective, the research that I've done on how um people view people on the spectrum is they go that for lack of a better way to put it, they go, why do y'all act like that? And me, from my perspective, I'm going, why do y'all act like that? So, so it's just, <laughs> we, don't, we don't necessarily need to be so um, confused by each other because um, it's not that anybody is doing anything wrong. It's not that anybody is doing anything um, that far out of... Uh, comprehension it's just sometimes people don't want to just take a moment to understand someone else's perspective so i guess we're kind of trying to get that different different perspective in people's faces a little bit so you know they can either deal with it or or not deal with it i guess <laughs> yeah and I, I feel like i've come across like uh even throughout the course of doing this podcast like most of the episodes have been really good but every once in a while i come across like a guest or someone that like they have more of like i don't know they don't get my way of interacting like to me it's more like they're the puzzle like what what's like i feel more on the spot with them than maybe like other people would or something like that and um there was a case i think you remember this where i went on another person's podcast and then he was like he wanted me to like interact a certain way that like uh, yeah and stuff and i and i was kind of like what, what is this but to me it was like what's his deal like i i, I don't have this problem with everybody like but um right. yeah the other people like maybe they'd be able to adapt to that more but like every once in a while i come across a person kind of like that so. yeah yeah i know what you mean like um and, and I, I i do remember that like um yeah i, I mean i i guess some people feel a need 
for control in in a in a regular interaction and there's only so much you can do about that but um you can't control <laughs> you can't control life you know so you just gotta kind of go with it even though that's uh oftentimes a little counterintuitive yeah, and that's why I started getting into improv, actually, was to be kind of more spontaneous thing. Because it used to be like I had one topic I felt like I had to talk about, like one, like it was more rigid and like the conversation needs to be this, then it's that. Like I, I wasn't as good as like the spontaneous, like, okay, we'll talk about this and that. So that's why one of the main reasons I got into improv was to like think on my feet. Yeah, and I, th I think that's a really good idea, too. So how did you, like, it, you learn later through researching it, you were more on the spectrum or was it something you were diagnosed with? When you well, um, I was actually diagnosed with, um, well, they didn't call it ADHD because I'm, I'm from, you know, the 1900s. They, call, they called it ADD and I was diagnosed with it as a child and I was given Ritalin and it gave me horrible, horrible headaches and I hated it. And so... I, I, <laughs> I didn't realize this until, you know, a few months back, I learned how to mask because I, because I went, okay, how do I get, what do I have to do to stop taking this medication that gives me headaches and makes me feel like a zombie? Oh, well, we need you to act better in class. Okay. Give me, give me specifics. What does that mean exactly? And they went, okay, well, we need you to do this, 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 this. No. Okay, fine. I'll do that. So I can stop taking this. And, um, and that has, that mentality has followed me all through my life. It's, I, I am still to this day, I'm like, okay, what do you need from me? What do you need from me? So I can go about doing my thing. So I, and, and I, I get that information and then I give people whatever they need from me. And then I go on about my business. So I am like unlearning those behaviors and that that uh, goes into like people pleasing and stuff like that and um there's so much of adhd that that uh can get uh confused for trauma response and uh so so sometimes you know i may not be able to tell the two apart uh but hyper vigilance is uh definitely something that has been there all through my life um and and uh what what people are starting to kind of come to realize is that um a, attention deficit isn't a correct way to actually tell that to people it's actually attention surplus um when when you have it you you're paying so much attention to everything that is going that's going on. It's difficult to focus on the one specific thing, and um, and that's that's what my thing is. And you sitting here watching me, you've probably noticed the whole time I am fidgeting with things. I am like picking up stuff and moving it. Like I am always doing something because because that's just how my brain works. Like I. Um, I, I'm always multitasking whether I want to or not. And I I started masking though because 
I, you know, would hear my parents complaining about how much the medication cost, um, you know, things like that. And I went, okay, so how do I, how do I navigate this situation? How do I make this work out for everyone as best as possible? So I spent the vast majority of my life masking. And over the past uh, couple years or something like that, I've, um, I don't know if I've necessarily unmasked myself so much as I have just completely burned myself out of masking to where I can't really do it anymore. So like, I don't, I'm very much kind of all over the place when I talk to people. Like, I feel like I have barely let you get a word in edgewise. Um, let me see, we've been going for 20, what, 19 minutes now. Like, I feel like I've talked for 18 out of 19 minutes. But uh, <laughs> I think that's kind of like, I do that a lot with the, like, I let them talk and then I kind of interject here and there. But like, I kind of, so sometimes it's good to see where it goes, where it can lead. Yeah, like, I, I'm like, uh, I, I'm, I'm learning exactly what parts of, uh, I'm, I'm learning why I am the way that I am and realizing that, oh, it might actually be a little bit more than just ADHD, but it's just, you know, I'm an 80s baby. We didn't, we didn't know that stuff back then. Um, they just went, here, take these and shut up. <laughs> That was medical treatment in the 80s. Like, like, oh, you're 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 being disruptive in class. Well, shut the fuck up. Take these. Yeah, I, I was in uh, the 90s. It was kind of similar. Like, I I was put on uh, Ritalin for uh, ADHD. Same thing. Like, I couldn't stay yeah. on task. I think I, I used to like take the pass to like leave and go to the bathroom like maybe 10 or 15 times a class and stuff. And um, yeah, they, they, then I was put on Ritalin, and uh, I kind of I went into these smaller classes that were like, um, not exactly like a special ed class, but like reach, they call them like the resource classes. So I guess it was like the kids who needed like the extra time, but I don't know, it, it, it wasn't really like helpful classes either. It was just a kind of way to put all the kids like they didn't want to learn to deal with. Kinda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that reminds me of my high school experience. Like I chose the like I. I had to like plead my case to go to the high school that I went to because um, there was only like a hundred people at that school. And I was just like, I was terrified of going to the high school that had like 3,500 kids. And I'm sure there's somebody sitting there listening to this show right now going 3,500. That's tiny. But um, yeah, I mean, that's South Carolina for you, but I wanted to go to the school that had only a hundred people because it, I, I, couldn't handle the thought of there being a thousand people around me you know what i mean and it's just yeah we i, I guess i guess uh we just kind of uh, adapt the best way that we can <laughs> and, and you said that was like a more diverse high school and stuff than the one yeah you know yeah, um now that you mentioned it um it was a hundred people and only 20 of those were caucasian so um, I, uh, I, I didn't really realize this until years later, but that made uh, my outlook on the world and just the way I interact with people be a little bit different. And now that I'm working, um, now that I'm working in like basically like downtown Greenville, I'm, I'm meeting a lot of people who 
very much have a like I am like I am like hood as fuck to these people and I'm not like in reality I am not a hood person but like to them I am but it's just there's like this culture shock thing and it's just like dude I'm just from the country man and it's like all all y'all is from the suburbs and it's just is different but um golly man like I'm freaking rambling <laughs> you're I I apologize in advance for the editing you're gonna have to do to this episode that's fine yeah yeah, I, I have a tendency to go from like one topic to the next. Oh, I catch myself and go like, "Shit, did I answer the question?" <laughs> <laughs> but that—that's been another thing with me is, um, this been kind of a like hard like with me is with uh, conversations like I, I like in a group conversation. I feel like I, I'll, I'll say something, I'll think it's related to the conversation. But then they all kind of look at me like, wait, that, that had nothing to do with what we were talking about. <laughs> like, no, in my head, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with, with conversation topics. It's like, no, this does link together. I just can't remember right this second how exactly it links together. Wait another hour, I'll message you and go, this is how it linked together. And then you're just like, what are you talking about? it's 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 like having so many thoughts at one time that you can't that it becomes difficult at times to corral the specific thought that you want in that specific moment and put it out at that specific time that you need it um and that's another thing like planning ahead what i say like thinking in my head i'm gonna say that's another thing I was learning at improv to do less was just kind of get into the thing and just listen and respond to that. Cause um, a lot of times I, I just have an idea in my head. I'm like, I'm going to say this, how am I going to fit this in? Like it's more of a rigid kind of way of looking. Yeah. And that's such, and that is such a mind blowing concept to me. Like, like, wait, you mean I'm supposed to just, what? Just go <laughs> with it. Huh? You mean I have no control whatsoever? I don't know about that, boss. Come on now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that—that's why I have I have a lot of respect for uh, like stand-up comedians and you know like people who do improv and stuff like that because it's just like and 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 even like and people people may not think about it like this, but like bartenders, they have to think on their feet and interact with people and and be entertaining i mean if you want good tips you better be entertaining and it's just like it's you know some of that some of the line of work that i i just i look on it in awe i'm just like how do you do that consistently because like yeah i can get on an interview like right now and just just run off at the mouth but realistically i've had a day and a half to prepare for this mentally you know so (laughs) it's not that hard just you know have a couple beers or whatever, or yeah. you know, well, do whatever you got to like, do. We've done this like three other times, or have, have had you. Yeah, time, yeah. Know. It's not like this is my first time talking to you or anything, so yeah. that helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, so so like, what, what do you, what is uh, like the main thing you talk about in your show? It's just like the experiences of being a well. Or? Well, we have each episode broken down into sections where we talk about uh, 
Well, we, well, we give our background as to who we are. Uh, we give the background of the area that we're in and um, just sort of the musical landscape as it were. And then we get to talking about uh, the music itself and the project itself, all the way down to the lyrics and the, the inspiration for the subject matter, um, as, as well as uh, my thought process in, in uh, putting the music together. And uh, the last episode, episode five, is uh, basically us talking about going forward and, and and just talking about conceptually uh how the project will uh will 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 take shape and and just kind of give people a, a a little a little bit of an idea of what they can uh come to expect from us without giving away too much um because i mean we this, this has been a project that uh it, it's different than the way that it's been put together is pretty drastically different than any other project I've been a part of because we we planned out so much before we told any of anybody about the project. Like um, we have, like we're we're operating way far ahead of schedule. We're doing this basically like professionals do it, where. Um, without you know opening pulling back the curtain too much we're, we're planning this stuff like almost a year in advance and and just putting it out as we see fit and um this uh this this whole project kind of happened um really organically and and we're just we're letting it continue to grow organically but we're uh we're nurturing we're nurturing what's there so we can make sure that we have longevity because this project started as just a one-off uh a one-off collaboration it was going to be a song on a mixtape i was putting together and um people really liked the song that we did we wound up getting nominated for an award and um people when we went to the award show, people were like, hey, are y'all gonna turn this into a group? Because you should turn this into a group. Can I get a whole project of this? Can I please get more songs of this? And we went, yeah, maybe we should um, actually do that. And then we talked about it for months and uh, we didn't force anything. Like, uh, I, I, think, I think it took us um it, it just took us a few messages back and forth to come up with the name of the project um like everything has just very much happened organically and that's been really cool and the fact that we we can all like we're just starting and like we only have one song out but we already know our path going forward for like a year at least like that that takes a lot of pressure off and if there's any musicians out there listening i would suggest uh doing that take the time plan your whole project like plan your whole campaign like a year in advance and you can thank me later <laughs>
So so it's not just the podcast you're doing where you talk about it. It's it's also like a music. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It is a two per it is a two person band, um, and the podcast is just like an accompaniment, um, so people can can know where we're coming from and and where we're going. So um, like we're you know we're we're building it. It's part of an effort to build community and also to let people know without any shadow of a doubt what they're getting into, who they're dealing with, what we're about. And it's like, so there's no speculation whatsoever. Like, um, you know, because there, there's nothing worse than like finding a new band that you like and then doing a little research into them and it just takes you forever. And then you find, oh man, these people suck. I don't want to listen to this anymore. It's like, nah, we're putting all out there on Front Street. Just like, here's what we're about. Here's what we're doing. You either rocking with us or you ain't. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the lyrics are going to relate to kind of the the spectrum thing a bit, or uh, yeah, especially on the second EP, but um the um actually one actually the song that i'm uh, currently finishing up the mix on there's some lyrics in there that um it's kind of like if you know you know type of stuff like uh there's definitely uh i i wish i could give you like some specific quotes i don't want to i don't want to misquote any lyrics but um talking about like uh feeling safe at home but knowing that uh, you got to get out of your comfort zone to advance in life and, um, and you know, how you deal with that as being someone who don't really want to go out, you know. Um, and, and but yeah, it, it's there, there's a little stuff in there that's kind of like, uh, like I said, it may not seem obvious to everyone once they first listen to it. But if you know, you know. Like people will definitely be able to relate to um, some of the lyrics once they actually sit down and read them. And particularly if you're like 30 plus, because we're making references to like, uh, oh wait, does he still have that in? Oh, nope, he changed that lyric. Oh. <laughs> But like there's there's like references to like specific, like that time period kind of like um, and and uh, with our marketing, we're telling people like, hey, do you like ministry? Do you like Nine Inch Nails? Somebody who's like 22, they might not even never heard of ministry. You know what I mean? Like this is just being realistic. Like. Like and and uh, somebody who's like, you know, 25 or under they don't know Nine Inch Nails when they were on drugs. Like, they only know Sober Trent Reznor. That, you know, like... <laughs> so, um, there's, like, we're embracing the throwback. Uh, we're, we're not making any kind of... Like, we're not trying to be anything that we're not. We're, you know, putting... We're, try, we're doing our best to put everything out there, warts and all, like... You know, you see the gray hairs in the video and everything. We're not trying to hide anything. It's just we are 
not typical. We are anti-typical. So it's like, that's how we're presenting it. Like if, if it's, if it's a little bit different, if it's a little bit outside of the norm, then that's right in our wheelhouse. Yeah, I guess you're, you're kind of owning that in a way than rather being like atypical. It's like anti-typical. Fuck the. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's, it's just kind of embracing embracing your role as the bad guy without going hey we're the bad guy because we're not you know but it's just like uh, and and that's and that's it's it's kind of a wink to my days as hideous like you remember like i took on the hideous moniker as sort of a statement against superficiality and anti-typical is a statement against you know the norm or more specifically going hey we are not neurotypical we are not doing this shit that y'all are doing because it don't make no damn sense to us y'all think we are puzzling we think y'all are puzzling deal with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then um yeah because i remember in your your music uh back then it was more like you did kill paris hilton that was (laughs) kind of black metal satire does not work very well in 2021 i have yeah, found that's what i was thinking I, actually yeah you're right it couldn't, it couldn't work as well even as it was like in uh 2009 or so i feel like you could say more be more shocking kind of things like that it's it seems like a freaking lifetime ago doesn't it it's only like yeah. a little over 10 years ago yeah and then you went into the introspective ago. alan watts kind of stuff with the the later hideous stuff when you did the hip hop and then a bit too uh, yeah. but, but this is different than Ben Perp. The that's your your other you're still doing stuff with Ben Perp as well. Right. I just kind of went on a little hiatus to to make Antitunical come to life. Um, I had plans to put out an album and do all this other stuff, but I really started just kind of falling in love with this Antitypical project, and um, and honestly, just kind of getting into my day job, like running a kitchen and all that like uh, just um i mean <laughs> a lot of people say this sarcastically but man i'm living the dream like i mean who cares about you know rich and famous or all that like i'm literally doing what i want to do right now so that's cool like um if like if you go check out quantum addiction by Antitypical on Spotify, you scroll all the way to the bottom, you see it says 2021 NRG Entertainment. That's my record label. Like, like I'm doing, like, I pulled up to the house the other night and I said, teenage me would think current me is fucking awesome. And I, I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Like, um, so I, I, I can't complain. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm doing the music that I want to do solo. I'm doing the music that I want to do in a group context. I'm putting it out on my own label. I'm, I'm making my own schedule. I'm working a job that I, doing something that I enjoy doing. Like, I am finally at a point in my life where I am mostly doing stuff that I like doing. I, I don't do that much stuff that I don't enjoy. So... I hope everyone can find that that peace in their life. 
because because if I can do it, for anybody can do it. Because I I was not always the Zen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that actually I was reading. Uh, James Allen was talking about that. Uh, he's he's one of the kind of the precursors to the whole law of attraction thing. But I think he had more of a depth with it. Like he um he talked about like how prosperity's uh, a mindset, but also like he went to say that like mil- like uh, there's millionaires that are poor because they're, you know, they're just resenting the people that have more and there's people that have right. less possessions, but they're wealthy because they're happy with what they have and they're, 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 li- they're fulfilled. He had a yeah, part where he was talking about that. Yeah, yeah man. No, like that, that's ultimately what it comes down to is like, I think, I think we're all just trying to find that, that bit of happiness in our own lives, you know? And, and we're we're fed all this stuff from the outside that we have to have this, we have to be this, we gotta have a blue check mark, we gotta have this many followers and all that, but you don't. <laughs> you don't. And and that's part of and that's part of being anti-typical as well. Recognizing that, man, we don't need we don't need a quarter million monthly listeners on Spotify if if 15 people find us and rock with us then by god we're gonna make incredible music for those 15 people and that and that's good enough for me life's a fun ride and uh, i'm finally starting to realize that more about the the journey and kind of enjoying the moment of it too and not so much the destination yes absolutely as as corny as that may sound so is, is anti-typical more of a punk sound or I know you're going more towards hip hop for a while. Honestly, man, like it's the, the dirty 808s and the trappy hi-hat patterns are still there. But to my ear, it sounds like alternative, like I, I, I hesitate to say alternative metal because I don't want people to hear that and go, oh, you sound like Cedar. Like no, no. Um it, it's like it's like um it's heavy, but there's a quiet, loud dynamic. It's kind of goth, it's kind of industrial, it's kind of alternative rock, it's kind of new metal. Like he's not rapping, there is yet to be any screaming, but it's still kind of heavy, like there's catchiness, there we're just we're kind of leaving ourselves open to do whatever we want to do but the sound itself is very much rooted in like like 90s uh 90s industrial metal if you want to call it that like if you take like um when i when i first when we first started this project i went and listened to a bunch of kmfdm and uh, the Sin Sucked album by Rammstein, and I went and listened to like uh, uh, Broken by Nine Inch Nails, and um, uh, my collaborator John uh, said after hearing the demos, "Hey, we sound kind of like Sister Machine Gun," and I was like, "Who the fuck is Sister Machine Gun? Let me go listen to them." And and yeah, we kind of sound like Sister Machine Gun if anybody knows who they are but um 
basically like it, it's it's sort of metal without it sounding like like we're gonna be able to play with rock bands and metal bands and we're gonna be able to play at the goth dance party and we're gonna be able to play at 90s night and we're probably gonna be able to play at emo night and um yeah i want to play a drag show too just because that's what i want to do but um yeah like it's it's dark it's danceable and um uh, for, for anybody who might be familiar with John's previous project, Revelator, his lyrics are a lot more positive than they were with Revelator. Um, not to say that that stuff was like all super downer, but like this is some downright motivational sounding shit when you read the lyrics to it. And uh, I, I, I'm with it. I think that's neat. But um, we, we've got like six songs completed right now. And um, it, it's it's goth but it's like it's kind of metal and it's kind of alternative rock i think i think i think that covers it but but it'll also rattle your trunk just because i like loud bass (laughs) (laughs) so you're kind of doing a bit of uh both though because for a while you went more towards the hip-hop thing well you did a little bit of rock and van purple well yeah because like my solo stuff is like the way i describe my solo stuff is like it's rock that sounds like rap and rap that sounds like rock because like I rap a lot on the songs because to me that is the most efficient way to get to get complex ideas across in a very short amount of time because like you can cram a lot of words into a 16 bar verse and it's only going to take you about 42 seconds to get through all of it and i like to make two and a half minute songs two and a half minutes or less and um and if i can get if i can get everything i need to say across in like one minute i'm gonna do it and that's 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 kind of why i still use rap as a vocal style in my own music even though i don't really want to be perceived as a rapper because Cause I, cause I feel like the last thing the world needs is another white rapper, but <laughs> shout out Crocker. But um, you know, it is what it is. Like I'm not trying to be Jack Harlow or anybody. I'm just, I'm just making the music that I like to make. I'm not really thinking about the label of it, but just kind of going with it. So. Yeah, cause I mean, I'm not like I've never been a person to. Like if I'm trying to make a song to get on the radio, it's not gonna get on the radio because that's just that's just how it works. Like I, I just I, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a pop songwriter. Like that don't mean I can't write a catchy hook. It's just I'm not really that interested in making uh, uh in, in making a pop song because it's just it's just not really something that interests me that much. And it never really has been. Yeah. Well, if you don't, if you don't enjoy it, it's pretty much just like doing any other kind of nine to five. You don't like just as it. Yeah, I mean, if I, I used to, I, I used to think that I wanted to do music as a full time career, but the more I learned about the business aspect of it, I went damn, I don't actually want to do that as a career because there's a, 
because I like I like to have fun, and a lot of that business stuff is super not fun. Yeah. So um, that's why I, I I I worked in kitchens as a trade and. I make music with the rest of my time because between the two of them, I can make a career like that. And um, and I, I'm I'm doing I'm doing two things that I like to do. One of which actually gives me consistent money. The other gives me um, complete creative control. And, well, hell, I, I got a lot of creative control, both of them. But with the music, I am very much hard headed. Like I don't I don't want a bunch of dudes in suits telling me what the fuck I got to do. Especially when it comes to creative things like I I don't want anyone to tell me, hey, you need to write this song this way. You need to write, you need to put these words in it. You need to do this. You need to do, no, this is my creative thing, so I'm going to do it as weird as I want to do it. Because like I've always looked up to the artists that are a little bit on the outside anyway, like it's all good to sell 10 million records, but was it interesting? Like, you know, yeah, I, I like with anyone because I feel like a lot of the, the artists that do stuff, um, not just going with the times, it's not just like, oh, this was in back then, this was in, it's like it's more timeless, you know, if it's not worrying about that, yeah, like. Uh, okay, take somebody like Wesley Willis, for example. Um, not a household name. Yeah, it was but a schizo, he had schizophrenia and he did a, kind of like a punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, not a household name, but I can guarantee you someone listening to this show heard the name Wesley Willis and perked up and went, fuck yeah, love Wesley Willis. <laughs> like, like, you know, they started screaming rock and roll McDonald's. You know, it's like that is timeless. It's not something that everybody's going to know, but it's got that cult following, you know, like the movie Gummo. It's not something that everybody's going to know, but if you know, you know, and if you rock with that, you rock with it. And that is your thing. And it's like, I'm, I think there's something to be said for that. Like, you know, a, a diamond selling album is cool. But so is the cult following. And, and, it's, and, you know, for a long time, I've thought about, you know, the concept of, you know, you get to define success for yourself and, you know, doing that soul searching and going like, okay, what is success for me? And ultimately, I, I determined that uh, success for me means uh, making an impact in some sort of creative and unique way, whether that is recognized by a lot of people or not. I just want to do my thing my way and have fun doing it. And just kind of put it out there and... Throw it at the wall, I'll see what sticks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, 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 and um, for anybody who doesn't get that reference, it is... Uh, it is how you <laughs> it's how you test spaghetti noodles. You take the noodle out of the out of the water and you throw it against the wall. If it sticks against the wall, it's done. 
And um, that is my favorite way to make spaghetti noodles because I get to throw things against the wall and see what sticks. And that is yeah, how I, I wondered where that expression came from. The throw a bunch of spaghetti. Yep. Throw it against the wall and see what sticks. That's spaghetti noodles. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and and there you go. Bring it back to food. It's it's you know I I am I am like a stereotypical tourist. I love food and I love music. <laughs> both of us i'm a taurus too may third so <laughs> that's what's up yeah we are the elite we are the elite astrological side <laughs> but we don't like but we don't like to brag you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you were talking about being on the spectrum like was there something you struggled with the most as far as interactions or like one like what's one area that you struggled? oh god with? The, the the concept of small talk I I don't get it. I do not fucking get it at all. Like, um, there was a joke going around that was like, um, uh, it was something to the effect of like small talk to someone on the autistic spectrum is like going, hey, armadillos keep digging little holes in my backyard. And I'm just like, I hear that and I go, well, it, it, is that not an icebreaker? Is, is that wrong? Am I not supposed to say things like Because, like, apparently you're supposed to just go, you're supposed to, like, just talk about the weather or whatever, and that's just a thing that people do. And, like, the whole, um, the way people infer things off of just, gosh, it's hard to explain, but, like, uh, the way people, like, infer how you feel based off of something that you said that had no emotion behind it. And then, like, um, are you mad at me? Like, why would you think I'm mad? Well, because you're not smiling the whole time. Huh? I was supposed to do that? Oh, shit. Like, just those, those little bitty little social rules that are like unwritten but you're just you're expected to know them just by default and um yeah that's that's the biggest thing to me and like just the lack of filter which i find charming personally <laughs> but um like people don't really know how to um handle uh my insane levels of cynicism a lot of the time and like I'll just be saying stuff that to me is just like a like it sounds normal coming out of my mouth, but other people hear it and go, "What? What? Huh?" It's just utter confusion. Like, and it's hard to like explain this stuff too, like without specific examples to refer to. But um, yeah, just just social interaction, like the unwritten, the the unspoken rules of what you're supposed to do when meeting people, and like the fact that apparently it's okay to just walk up to someone's conversation and just interject into it when you're in just like a public social setting, like that's considered normal to a lot of people, and like I work at a bar, so I see people do stuff like that all the time, and. It, it just does not cease to blow my mind. Like I've seen couples who didn't know each other and they're just sitting at the bar having their food or whatever. And then by the 20 minutes later, they're exchanging phone numbers. And I'm like, 
my mind is blown. You literally just met. And now y'all are exchanging phone numbers. Like y'all are friends now after 20 minutes and you're exchanging numbers. Like it, for me to reach the exchanging numbers phase with someone, I've known you for two months minimum. And like, apparently that's weird. So I, I don't know. Like people connecting kind of faster. Like I, that, that's something I, I've uh, experienced too. Just like noticing how people kind of connect with each other faster. And for me, it's like, I don't know. It takes time to like get to know people. I just don't know how they, you know, become friends so fast like these people. And then, and then, and then like also like you said, like trying to something. Oh, what, what were you going to say? No, and then make it look easy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then I, and then I just think I'm like I, I'm on some kind of other realm than these other people. Um, but like I, I guess I, I've gotten good at like faking it sometimes. But then I think some sometimes it's like as far not necessarily faking it, but at least having like a persona, I guess that I put up. But yeah, but then I still feel kind of like on this other realm or whatever. But um, and just like then like trying to start. A conversation with uh like someone like i'll talk about my interest or something and i think if someone has the same interest and then sometimes i'll be and then i'll just go to like oh you heard of that band and then they're just like what huh no i haven't and then that kind of just ends the the thing that yeah um yeah ha um the concept of special interest is is relatively new to me and i went oh so that's that's what that means that i only want to talk about these two things all the time pretty much uh these are my special interests okay and then when you when you realize that most other people don't share your special interests it it's like oh crap now i have this big wall and in, in front of me to where like it, it prevents connection with people and you know at the end of the day we we as people just want to connect with other people but uh but when uh if if you feel like you're just kind of othered by society anyway in some kind of way like that can make it difficult and here i am saying that as someone who presents as like a a cisgender white male most of the time so I can only I can only imagine what it's like for other people who are in like actual like marginalized groups. Like it's got to be that much harder. But um, yeah, and, and it's just I don't know. Every 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 I, I try to look at interactions as a potential friendship because apparently that's the way most people view that and it's just uh it's it's just something that needs to be learned and, and some people learned it earlier and easier and 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 that's fine yeah but it's interesting how sometimes like uh like people like see you like differently than you see yourself because like me like to me like i feel like it's hard to like connect right away with people and i, I feel like on a different frequency than people that, but then some people say like oh yeah you know you got all these people on your podcast you're talking to you, like you know how to talk easily you got this big and from my perspective it doesn't always seem right. that way but it's like i don't know sometimes like the outside world like the way they see you and like the way you see yourself it's like it doesn't always line up but i don't know 
Yeah, and um, and that's something I've been thinking about too, and and uh, trying to keep in mind as I enter new situations. Uh, just sort of like remembering that, like, hey, you know, everybody is to some extent uh, concerned about like, oh, let me, I hope I don't have spinach in my teeth or, or whatever, you know, just throwing that out as like one example, like every, everybody has their own level of self-consciousness is what I'm getting at. But, uh, and, and um, yeah, actually, just trying... was... oh, I, I, don't, no, I don't no, go, go, go. But the, go ahead, actually go ahead. So, because there was someone in particular, I, I won't name his name that I knew, that uh seemed like oh i think he's i thought he, he's a very social guy he knows how to talk to these people is so fast and like connect with these people like so fast like um like uh i think it was like certain like uh yeah people he was talking to it was like i felt like they kind of just gave me the cold shoulder but him he was able to get them to open up but then i saw mm. like he posted all this stuff about like having anxiety and like second guessing himself and a lot of the stuff right. i go through and it's like People don't, you know, even the people you think they have it all together, like they got their own things going on too. Yeah, and and uh, we just have we just have to remember that and you uh, use that compassion tool that we have, and um, and, and and yeah, I mean, uh, remembering that can uh, I I found personally that like just trying to remember that in the moment can usually kind of help me relax and and uh be a little more present and potentially connect with that person a little bit better yeah do, do you ever feel like at times like you're annoying somebody but you don't quite know why you're annoying the person or like oh absolutely yeah oh 100 like daily like multiple times a day um particularly with like uh sending people messages and stuff like nah if i send you a message and it's been three hours i'm, I'm probably i'm probably not going to send another one without first going through 15 minutes of am i being annoying by checking up on making sure that they got uh like yeah i, I am very much trying to not get on anyone's nerves including my own <laughs> Like for me, it's hard to read people's body language, but it's even harder when like you don't see the body language at all. Like sometimes texting gets me anxious like that. Like if someone doesn't respond, it's like you said, like if someone doesn't respond in a while thinking like, gee, are they mad at something I said? Did I say something wrong? Like that's something else. Yeah. yeah, and then I always try to like respond quickly too because I don't want people to see that I read it, but then I didn't respond to it. But in reality, I might have seen it and then oh, crap, now I have to grab this thing for my son, so I just throw my phone down real quick. I don't turn it off. Like, it's just still on that same screen, and it's sitting there for 30 minutes like that, you know, while I'm cleaning up goldfish crackers off the floor or whatever the case may be. And it's just, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're so, we seem so accessible to, to the rest of the world. You know, we all got these phones and everything, and, and, we, and you know, we're, we're technically – always connected to the internet you know but uh I, I guess we gotta kind of remind ourselves sometimes that like you don't you don't you don't have to jump right up and respond to everything like 
take care of your own life first. You know, <laughs> like uh, what do they say on the plane? Like uh, make sure your own mask is on before you help with anyone else's. I, I also, another thing for me is if I if I go out if I'm like socializing in a large group, like uh, I'll I'll talk to like most of the people and stuff, but then the next day I'll be like analyzing every single conversation. Oh yeah. With, like it's been like, oh, yeah. a large group, like and all right, I said this. Was that right when I said? And that's. And, and it's hard for me because like I remember everything I say or like every interaction I have with people that's another thing with me I have like a really good memory of like stuff people said even like five years ago or someone I met one day like 10 years ago I don't know if that's like um, relates to what they were saying about being on the spectrum I also um I also was like uh like I don't know if you heard of like a blue baby like maybe that might have helped that might have uh, had some kind of effect on some of my like neurological kind of things you know like the baby I, well not exactly a blue baby but like i had when i was born i was like uh there's the um there was like something with the oh baby. yeah yeah i know what you're talking about yeah yeah because i but I, I noticed like uh especially middle school it was hard for me like like uh i didn't really have like too many friends at all in like middle school like i had elementary school i did okay because everybody's kind of just like kids but like once i got to middle school i was like everybody was learning this stuff that like I didn't understand um like dating especially took me a while to learn I think I only really learned like dating like these past few years because a lot of it's like non-verbal like there's a whole like the courting thing like people kind of do and just not like I don't know it's like in the yeah that stuff's show, confusing like, it just kind of happens like this person meets this person and then they fall like that's not really how it works in the real world though so at all yeah yeah, that's not, yeah, that stuff definitely gets confusing. <laughs> um, I, I'm glad I'm, to that end. I'm glad that um, that like online dating has become such a normalized thing in my lifetime, because because uh, yeah, that's that's actually how I met my wife, and at the time, that was still considered a very taboo and like, oh my god, you're meeting someone from the internet? Are you insane? And, um, uh, but yeah, now I can't even imagine doing it otherwise. <laughs> and now I know how you met your wife. I didn't, I didn't know that whole story. Till now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, yeah, we met on the internet and as it turns out, um, a, uh, like a couple years ago, just out of curiosity, I'm not going to name the site. Uh, but I went to the site to just see if it still exists and it does but it is much more adult themed now if you get what i'm saying okay <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's more like a hookup site than a hey i'm gonna meet new friends it was all very very family friendly and safe when i was when we were on it and when we met but now it's just like a straight up it's almost like a porn site <laughs> <laughs> so any final thoughts but um, so final thoughts um yeah <sighs> anti-typical play the music play all the music buy the shirts make us the biggest freaking thing in the world <laughs> if you want to i want you to i want you to want to no but um honestly though final thoughts um just try find peace do whatever you got to do. Do whatever you got to do to find some kind of peace in your life. If you got to cut out toxic people, do it. It's going to be painful. It's going to be uncomfortable, but it is ultimately worth it. 
Um, there, Even there if is not necessarily not, bad people, just not good for you at this time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If they're not good, like you got to look out for yourself. Like if, if, if they're not serve, if they're not serving a greater purpose, if it's not bringing any kind of positivity to your life, really seriously evaluate whether you need that thing in your life or not. Cause life is way too damn short to put up with the bullshit. And that goes with people, that goes with places, things, it doesn't matter. Like, take care of yourself. That's my final thought. Just take care of yourself so you can take care of everybody around you. Thank you for listening to BSing with Sean K. I'm your host, Sean Neese. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jason. If you want to listen to more episodes of BSing with Sean K, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, watch videos of the episodes on YouTube. And that's about it for this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.